0: Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. Today's show is my second roundtable with the band Tate. And Tate holds a special place for me because I would say that during the years Tate was together, that was probably the height of my friendship with Ethan and getting to know everyone in the scene and everyone going to everyone's shows. And it was always a treat to go see Tate play because I always knew Ethan would bring me And whoever else uh, were musician friends of his up on stage. And you got to partake in the fun. They were fun to watch. You never knew what was going to happen with Todd. You never knew what kind of jokes Ethan was going to throw out there. You never knew what kind of faces Alan was going to make. You never knew what Tony was going to laugh at. And they were just so fun to watch. And on top of it, anyone who knows any of these guys, they're just all amazing, amazing, amazing musicians. Um, they're very good at what they do, and they were just an all-around together great fun cover band to watch. So if you were lucky enough to be in Phoenix, you know from 2004 to 2007-ish six, I think um, you know for those few years that they were playing together consistently, um, it was just a really good a good time and a lot of fun, and it brought a lot of fun people out. To the show. So it was really exciting to get them all together again. I'm friends with all these guys, and it was so nice to see them and hear them inter- interact with each other and talk. And I've just really been enjoying these roundtable um, interviews. And we have one left with the band Capital Down, and that one's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, so you're in for a real treat. Just like my last roundtable, I've decided to take our Zoom session and um, transfer it to YouTube so that you can also watch it on the Facebook page, on Ethan's Remembering Ethan podcast Facebook page. Um, But here for you, I present the audio. So here's my conversation with Tate. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. Today, I am speaking to the members of Tate, uh, Ethan's former cover band buddies. And today we've got Todd Miller, Alan Chadwick, and Tony King with us. How are you guys doing?
1: What's up, Chris? Hey. Hey.
0: (laughs) I just got to say, man, it's really cool to see all of you together again. It's been a lot of years, and I think it's been a lot of years since some of you have seen each other. About how long
2: been,
0: about how long has it been since you guys have seen each other you
2: remember
3: what's what's the last year Todd like what uh are we are we thinking like 2007? and freaking seven five,
1: five six seven two thousand yeah something like that two thousand seven probably when did you move moved to Oregon in twenty so
3: it's been a while I've been I was in Phoenix until nineteen or twenty um same place but i think i kind of let the music drift off there about 2014 i had my last uh pro pro gig so yeah you kind of went into hiding
1: for a little while so it's, <laughs> witness protection program shit so yeah
3: it's, it's, yeah, it's the old houdini right it's like uh <laughs> the houdini at the party right i'm just i'm not doing that anymore so i ghosting you <laughs>
4: who who was your last gig with alan
3: uh it was with Colby. In um, Georgia Chrome. In Georgia Chrome, yeah. So you know that's when
1: right. I came in with uh, with John. <laughs> right on. Nice. Sure. Yeah, well Tony and I Tony and I still see each other all the time because we still play together, but uh, oh cool. great. What I don't, uh I don't miss, what projects I don't are miss you Tony training? at all? You don't miss him at all? I don't miss Tony at all. <laughs> I, how can I miss him if he won't go away? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's
4: true. I'm always somebody's uh, lurking over their shoulder. <laughs>
0: can I play with you?
2: Excuse me, can I play with you? <laughs> Tony's
0: always hey, on me? the short list.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, man. Um, anyone would be lucky to have Tony in their band. That's for sure.
1: That is true. Any one
0: of anyone of you guys, you're all awesome ace players. And Alan, I wish that um I could take your guitar talent and put it in a bottle and drink it, man. I wish you were still playing, but it sounds like I, you're, not, you're really into your life now.
3: I got my acoustic next to my desk. Whenever I hit a brick wall, I just, you know, pull it out and noodle a little bit, you know, get the mind speak. flowing again.
0: Mm-hmm. I bring back, back, I bring back some memories.
4: Yep, yep. It's, it's like- I, thought you, I thought of you over the weekend, Alan. I was in uh, Wisconsin, and a cry of love came on. And I was like, this is Alan Chadwick introduced me to this band, dude.
2: Those
3: guys, was, man. That
0: was awesome. Now that's the name of the band, Cry of Love. Yeah.
3: Huh. Yeah, Audley Freed's the guitar player there. And uh and one of the singers on the second album played with uh one of Colby's bands. And then uh I think he subbed for one of my bands some night and I kept playing the first record and he was on the second one. And, and I think I annoyed him a little bit. Cause I was like, this one too, you know, he's like, yeah, I got to cover that one. Why don't you play a lick off the new album?
5: Nice. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> All right, guys. So which album
3: was that one? Uh, Diamonds and Debris, I think is the second one. And the first one, maybe just self-titled Cry Love.
4: Okay. I think oh, brother. Kind of first
3: one, brother. Yeah. The first yes, one brother. Yes. It's orange. Yeah.
4: Yeah,
0: that's that's a dope song. Check it out, Chris. Yeah, for sure, man. I will. Anything Alan suggests, I always check out. You know, just like when Ethan used to always suggest music, I'd always try to one up him like, Oh, have you heard this band? And nine times out of ten you had. But every once in a while I'd I'd slap him with something new. Right. So the whole Mastodon thing he he showed me because uh, uh, the drummer
4: sang a lot of the songs. If it wasn't the lead singer, it wasn't he?
0: Yeah, yep. I remember that uh, being some one of Ethan's selling points for that band. Yes. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And I had actually seen them at Coachella a few years, like 2007 or 8. And so um, I knew that the drummer sang a lot. And right. I was impressed with them, but never really picked up any of their albums until Ethan hounded me and hounded me and hounded me about it. So I finally would listen to them, and I, I ended up you know becoming a – pretty big fan and oh you i think for the Delcoa interview tony i wore the mastodon ethan's mastodon t-shirt that his mom sent. <laughs> that's right
2: nice. yep and
0: yeah and um i was gonna wear another one one of them but um ethan and i have both put on some weight since our 20s i think <laughs> 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 i don't want to sit that's here right. like this <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> right right but um in or- yeah, in yeah i life, was caved Got my Beatles in honor of Ethan. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I always caved when he
4: uh, suggested some music to me. I had you to always did what? It. I caved in. Oh, sure, man. For sure. You know, there was some stuff I wasn't, I don't know if I don't want to listen to that. It doesn't sound like my style or something I want to listen to, but I always did take the time to give it a listen. So I did give Mastodon a listen. You know, it's more Ethan's,
0: you know, path, but uh-huh. I listened to it. <laughs> well one thing no matter what Ethan gave gave you to listen to or suggested to you you may or may not have liked it but one thing for sure is that every musician on that recording was a monster musician you know like Mastodon, they're just masters of what they do it's amazing music and um I never really I get it master don master don <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. laughs> You know, okay. one band that Ethan tried and tried with me over the years, who I who I grew I grew a stronger appreciation for them, but never really quite took was Rush. Was not a Rush fan mm-hmm. when I met him, um, but he tried mm-hmm. and tried and tried, and I do appreciate the musicianship of those. I mean, obviously Neil Peart and Alex Lifeson, all those guys, yeah, are amazing. But um, that's the one he couldn't hook me on. Other than that, pretty much everything, yeah, you know, I
1: was. Uh, I was never much of a Rush fan either growing up, but you know when I started to appreciate it is when these three started playing it at the gigs. <laughs> oh, um, Alan and Ethan and Tony would rip off on YYZ and I'd sit there and go, holy hell, this is amazing. <laughs> I like this. I like yeah. this after all. So, <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, they're amazing. You know, pop, everybody, pop. everybody everybody loves Tom Sawyer, right? And there, was a, sure. there was always a couple, too. New World Band, but... I was I was never as much into the the musicianship of it as I was until these guys actually started playing it. <laughs>
2: oh nice. Okay.
3: Right, that, that drummers that drummer story was so amazing that last couple of uh uh well just the, the whole the whole rush story. I just like how they now that I grow old, I like how those guys grow old and they, you know, deal with the music industry and they didn't put up with much crap. They toured with KISS and they're like, Hey, say what you want about KISS and the makeup. They're a hardworking band and they entertain the crap out of people.
2: That's right.
0: Was it Was it Neil Peart or Alex Lifeson when they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that got up and went blah 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 blah. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Blah 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 blah. Blah blah blah. They finally let him I thought that was kind of cool. I hadn't heard that story. That's that's funny. Yeah, man. I think I'm pretty sure it was Neil Maybe I I don't remember, but one of them got up and just kind of blah
5: blah 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 blah.
0: But, anyways, okay, guys. So, Tate, so we're here to talk about Tate tonight. Um, so what, uh, how long was Tate together and from what year to what year? It's like
1: 2001 to 2005 or something like that. 2001 to 2005 sounds about right. Yeah, I think so.
4: I think like 2002 or three to like 2007 or eight personally. <laughs>
3: I think. That, could, that could be somewhere around those years. Hey, somewhere around there. those years, right.
4: It's all right. We're, we're all older now. It's all gray and fuzzy. Right. Just like. It's my not going to be a test. <laughs> and, You're
2: right.
0: And what I noticed too, with, with all of you guys and all the bands you, you played in and every, everything project that I would go and see you perform in, it was always very fluid. You know, I noticed, so I could see how there not, there wasn't a, definitive beginning and end. You know, I noticed a lot of things would fizzle out or, um, someone would get in another band and you'd start hiring subs to cover for this dude. And before you knew it, you'd have some kind of Frankenstein version of a band or something like that. And then just kind of fizzle out, you know? So I think, so I think if Todd goes from
4: the beginning of where Tate started, it started off with his, uh, who's your daddy band mm -hmm. with, with Todd, Dean Miller,
2: um,
4: yeah, Dean, Ethan, and who was the drummer, Todd?
1: Uh, we had quite a few over the years. It varied. We had like, we were Spinal Tap. We just,
4: <laughs> if you
1: remember when Tate formed, that was one of the catalysts that we were looking for a new drummer. <laughs> all right. Right about that time, Dean Millard uh, unfortunately decided that he had to step aside and and it all just kind of went, Alan went, oh, I know a drummer. And we went, well, we now we need a guitar player too. <laughs>
3: So
1: just They right. talking
3: I think I thought maybe Tony introduced me to Ethan. Yeah, there's so many variations back in the day. Like people just come through, rehearsal, I'd be recording, yep. just, you know, put together the all-star band for this year and what whatever it's gonna be. Um you, and then what didn't Dean hurt his hand? I I remember Dean like broke his wrist or something and I, then like it just kind of caused the whole thing. But then he ended up in, in Curious Stories and did so well. Oh man, they were great. He it
1: was. I think uh, with Dean, actually, I be, if if it's the hand injury I'm thinking of, I'm the one that actually heard his hand uh, rustling around <laughs> with him in uh, Havasu Pie. Uh, I think Lake Havasu. I think I actually I like tore a tendon in his thumb or something. But that, I don't think that was the catalyst for leaving the band. I think he was having um women issues at a time and uh, and yeah. We names will not be mentioned, but it was uh but I, I think she, I think he got an ultimatum and uh and decided to decided to take a little time off. Might have been a combination right. of both, actually. It might have been he heard his hand and he had a little uh had a little summit somebody, somebody chattering in his ear about how much of a Todd and Ethan were.
2: <laughs>
4: I
3: got what was, I, I, our, what was one of our like, first gigs?
4: Go ahead, Tony. Oh no! I was just gonna say it uh, because I had played, you know, filled in for Gary Sanchez in the Chadwick, so that's how I got to know Alan. Right. And so when and I also played with Ethan. He was our sub bass player in Zoe Bowie. So when Ethan started playing with Todd, uh, I started playing with you guys just a little bit, and Dean was still the good, still the guitar player and then uh that's when i suggested maybe we should get alan in the band since he's leaving the chadwicks and that's kind of i think how it kind of kind of well and from what i gather how it came together yeah,
1: yeah that's that's pretty much that's starting to materialize in the star way. yeah uh, oh yeah that's it
4: and then and then when you guys are looking for a drummer ethan goes i know a guy and you go and todd goes what's his name and he goes tony king and todd says is he good looking?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not even if I could play, is he any good? Hey, in my defense, I asked the same thing about him when Teddy Dikina re- recommended me to Ethan too. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's fact that it was who, the only thing we cared about was having a good time at the bar and picking up on women. <laughs>
0: right <laughs> You weren't the only one. You weren't the only one who cared about that kind of stuff when we were younger. You know.
1: No. <laughs> no it was layered every,
0: every
3: gig was layered there was an inside joke set up right at the beginning of the evening there was whatever tension we were all going through and then the yep. the, the whole inside like looks an extra hit you know uh it was just a well-oiled machine of jokes and, <laughs> and uh, never never the original lyrics you know all night No, nope.
1: the, the volume of vocabulary <laughs> that got said without speaking a word is uh it's pretty impressive <laughs>
4: Pretty priceless. Yeah. All yeah. the I inside love, jokes on
3: no stage. Breaks. I love the no breaks, right? There's like too too many girls showed up.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no break, bridge, next song.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alan, we're I, gonna think, play
4: through. We're gonna I think play you through and I guys.
0: were, uh, during our interview, Alan, you and I were talking about that uh, where there were so many times where we'd get to the end of the set list and Ethan would be like, nope. No, nope, no break. Keep playing. You go, you go right <laughs> into a song and afterwards it would be like, or you do this thing where he's playing you and you go. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> oh
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> but I was going to say, Alan, I remember, um, I had uh, answered your ad, like we talked about and I was doing uh set up for you with the Chadwick's. And then I remember when you split from the Chadwick's, we were kind of hanging out and i was going to your house here and there and doing some recording and stuff and you had kind of started writing some of your own tunes and working on your stuff and i remember you saying yeah i'm done with the chadwicks but i think i'm going to do this thing with with that with ethan and tony and this guy named todd and and then the next thing i knew man i you know i'd hear you guys on commercials on the radio i'd see your name in the newspapers and you were playing every which gig i could ever think of and and you guys were so solid and it was such a uh you know a loyal fan base every time you played you have the same cast of characters coming out with ethan being almost like the master of puppets of of the entire audience
5: you know and and it was
0: always so fun and you know alan um one thing that i noticed with capital down as well and you guys was Your ability to not sing the original lyrics and not have anyone care and (laughs) everyone laugh, you know, goofing it up. And then so but Todd, you not as much as Mike uh, Mercier did, you know, like you would for the most part stick to it. But would uh, the guys ever pressure you to goof lyrics up or was that something you just kind of do on your own or? Are you just a, like a meat and potatoes? And you just want to stick to the original stuff so you don't have to think too much. Or well,
1: we had a, we had our we had our inside jokes that we'd say, and half the time when we change up the lyrics, we'd be the only ones that heard it. We just we'd look at each other and giggle, and nobody in the in the in the crowd would even hear it ninety percent of the time. Ethan and I had so many kind of inside joke lyrics from doing the two man acoustic show for so long too oh, that yeah. that translated. Don't stop, don't stop
2: believing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: What was
0: that one, Alan? What was the <laughs> is it? Is it something so we can't talk about? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So you know, Tate is such a brilliant. <laughs> Tate is such a brilliant name for a band, um, and I'm sure it took a lot of effort to come up with that. So, how did you come up with the name Tate? Uh, alcohol, I and,
1: think- alcohol, and lack of creativity.
3: Yeah, Tony Allen, Todd, Ethan, but uh, I don't know. Did you guys ever
4: uh, decide who was the first (laughs) (laughs) T? It's still a debate to this day. But I've let Todd. It's whoever gets to the gig first is the first T. All right, that's right, right. (laughs) But if if we're gonna go alphabetically, a a D does come before an N. So I feel like it
1: flows better, Tony's first though. Like it just sounds better, (laughs) Tony Allen, Todd, Ethan versus. Todd Allen Tony Ethan. I feel like Tony first makes it rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, Todd Allen
4: sounds like first last name of one guy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
4: Right.
0: <laughs> That's a little more poetic with Tony at the front. I, yeah,
4: I feel like it was another one of those things where I was just I'm always you know with the JTM3 and the Tate, mm-hmm. and I just kind of used these little things, <laughs> and I, I feel like we were at Allen's house in the in the studio. We're just thinking of names, and I just kind of came out.
0: So was it you, Tony? That where it's the first one is like yeah, let's just call it tape. Or do you remember who well, wait, specifically well, did? Well,
4: I mean, I'd like to say that I that I that I did. I'm not yeah. going to take, you know, full, uh, reign of that situation. But I just felt like we were just all trying to come up with names, and then, and then, obviously, you know, when you do come up with a name, everybody starts making fun of it. You know, so we get paint. You know, and hey, I've heard it called Tate. We were the Tate,
3: yeah, the Tate band.
4: <laughs> but it was like all the other bands too, like like Mo, Mo-, Mo- uh, Mogion was Mo and and who else had like funny <laughs> Oh, Easton Ash was like Eating Ass. mean, you know? yes. <laughs>
2: those guys are great. Oh, oh,
1: that's funny. Everybody had a name. Kokomo
4: Joe's and Ethan Ash, that, that was quite the scene out there. Yep, yep. So you but that whole work. changing the, the lyrics thing at, when we were uh. at gigs, sometimes the changing of the lyrics became the lyrics for us, and people in the crowd would sing them the way we would screw them up on purpose.
2: Yeah,
0: well, that brings me to my next uh, question, because, I mean, you guys were super popular. You know, when Randy and I weren't playing, or we usually would do a happy hour gig, and then we'd go and find you guys because, you know, it, for me, I'd always be hoping that Ethan would bring me up so that I could sing, sing for all the girls or whatever. And so we'd come and watch you guys play and it was always packed. And like I said earlier, you know, it's a usual cast of characters, but there would, you know, it would always be a packed house and there would always be a lot of people that were there to see you guys. And in your opinion, even though you were busy, you guys were outperforming stuff. It's not like you were watching any of your competition in the scene. But what what do you think it was that set Tate apart from the average of the mill cover band out in Arizona during those years? Because there were plenty of them, but you guys always pulled a a, a large crowd. You know, in your, think, what do you think you did me, that I, was so different?
1: For me, I think, and Ethan was such a huge part of this, I think for me it was we just always looked like we were having fun, regardless of the situation. People there's a lot of those bands that, that came up through that take themselves a little too seriously and they they try to be too serious. And when they get off stage, they don't go out and interact with the crowd. And that was, Ethan definitely did. That was one of the things that I, the thing that the reason we had such big crowds so many, so often is I think we actually were having fun and it showed on stage. And then not only that, when we got off stage, just, just kind of walk behind Ethan as he goes through and works the crowd and take secondary like, like, hey great to nice to thanks for coming out what's your name we appreciate you guys being here and you know hey let's buy a shot together and, and you know we got to be actual friends with a lot of a lot of the people that came out to see us still to this day actually like I'm friends on yep. Facebook with a, a ton of people that I never knew before Tate and I haven't seen since Tate but still talk to him on Facebook every once in a while Um, I think that that's the way I look at it anyways I think we had fun and and we were made friends.
0: <laughs> Alan, Tony, I agree, guys.
1: I'd agree.
4: I, you know, I think uh, Ethan was a big part of that. Uh, during a break, he was such a you know his larger than life character and his personality that uh, even well on stage he was drew a lot of attention to himself because he was having a good time. He wanted to entertain. He wanted to be center of attention and. More than more times than, than than not, he was, and people just gravitated towards that. And so, like Todd was just saying, during breaks, he'd go walk through the audience and shake people's hands and introduce himself to them. And then they got to to the, the point where they would start to come out more, and then they start to feel like they they know us. You know, Alan came from a pretty popular cover band from the Chadwicks. Todd and Ethan came from from a uh, you know Who's Your Daddy. I came from Zoe Bowie and some other you know bands and think we just each brought a little bit you know a little something to the table
0: mm-hmm. right alan do you think that your popularity in the chadwicks added to that somewhat since you were able to keep your same name when you left them
3: <laughs> i don't know i think uh i think of course there were some people that knew about it you know and i i also think the scene was just a little bigger back then i mean maybe i'm old and got out of it but i mean there was a real there was a real vibe going around where people loved the live music. They came out and they drank and it became a thing to do. And and these people, we would just, it was just a giant circle of, of extended, uh, you know, fans and friends. And um, God, it was just so much fun. i would kind of make a list of all the places we played, like Tijuana country club, Julie's, uh-huh. Flicka's, Daddy's, uh a bunch of awesome corporate stuff. But man, I, I think the draw was, You know what everybody says. You know that there was there's a good talent there. I mean, I I remember recording us uh, for demos and how good everybody played. I mean, I couldn't believe just mixing all those amazing sounds together. Everybody just uh, highly talented. I mean, it with with bands. uh, You know, at the level we were playing at, not you know not that big a deal, obviously, but but you know for the area we were in. I mean, we were. Some of the some of the top talent,
2: and
1: somewhere in the top thousands. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Alan's being a little bit modest because uh, there's no doubt that when when Who's Your Daddy kind of turned into Tate or merged with Tate or however you want to call it, um, Alan did have quite a few people that followed him over from the Chadwicks, the people that used to go see him play, then. Ethan and I grabbed. Uh, we had a whole new group of people that were now coming to see us all together because they they tailed behind Alan, curious to see where he was going. So, um, yeah, quite that he brought along a big contingency of people with him when he joined the band.
0: You know, one of my one of my favorite venues to watch you guys at was Flickas, and I don't know what it was about Flickas um, that you know in my memories of Tate. I just remember being in the crowd at Flick, was watching you guys. And it, maybe the, the stage was up a little bit higher, like you were a little more like, wow, wow you know, those guys are there. But that was my my favorite place from my memories that stick out the most um, watching you perform. But of all the of all the venues that were going on around the scene during that time, which was your favorite residency that you guys pulled? And that could you be for had- each of you.
3: There we There's so many, you can't even count, right? How many freaking gigs did we play? Just oh infinite, right? Um,
1: like the, three or four the, gigs a week for like five years.
3: I mean, yeah, we paid our bills on that. That was it. That was my only job was, was three or four gigs a week. Those corporates were nice. Um, what was the Mexican restaurant though? Uh,
0: Enchiladas.
3: Enchiladas. I have a lot of fun <laughs> memories of that place. There oh yeah, a lot of good hangs there. Um, a lot of
1: memories there, yeah. And, and well,
4: what
3: was the other
1: place
4: too? Well, the other place by the by the uh airport. the Costco air park, air park. Jilly's. Jilly's. Yeah. Jilly's, yes. They got us on the news there. Like we were all hung over, had to get up early in
3: the <laughs> <before> <laughs> for some promo. You know, we played uh, Dan. I got that yeah. video. I need to send it around.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. On the on I think three. I still got that too. Reeling in the ears, right? We nailed it. Yes. We nailed it. It was
4: really cool.
3: Yeah.
1: Wow, I I don't know which one of those was my favorite. I think enchiladas was every every place had its own reason for being interesting, but I'd say enchiladas, jillies, flickas, and Kokomo Joe's were probably the top four. Yeah,
2: I'd agree.
3: Kokomo Joe's is a great one. I mean, it was a long drive, but it was that was a good one one too. I I was going to say Chris Flickas is in between downtown scottsdale and tempe so you almost couldn't it was almost always on the way to where you're gonna actually end up going and it was yep. just right there on scottsdale road
0: yeah yep that's true now uh at the at the height of your guys uh success i would say about how many tunes do you think you had
1: like 100 200 oh, somewhere around there Well, these guys are so talented that it didn't matter if we knew it or not. If you'd heard it on the radio, somebody'd call it out. Actually, that (laughs) I remember a lot of nights at is when it would be kind of a slower night, with not that many people there. We just go, "All right, we're turning this into request night." People would just (laughs) shout shit out, and we'd go, "Kind of know that? Let's give it a shot." We just (laughs) kind of try it. Half the time, it would just be fucking fun and like terrible but funny and. Sometimes it worked great with the crowd. Other times it was like, wait, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But <laughs> yeah,
4: well, back I, in those days, playing a, a place like that, we could get away with doing it and doing a horrible job, and people would still,
2: oh, that's great. Hey, nice <laughs> try. Yeah. Here's your nice try. Movie.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So there wasn't a, a definitive set list necessarily, you know. I did because um, Todd, you know, you and Ethan were doing your thing, so. You guys probably had all those tunes you already knew. And then Alan being in the Chadwick's, you knew a bunch of popular songs at the time. And then Tony, you can sit in on pretty much anything. So, you know, was there any one of you that more than the other brought ideas for tunes or was it just an organic sort of thing where you just kind of said, Hey, I know that June, let's start that. Or
4: was I think it, like- it was organic. I think, okay. I think anybody would, Hey, let's try this or, you know, obviously, I feel if we're going to bring a song to the table, you know, Todd and, and uh, Ethan were the ones that were going to sing the majority of the tunes. Todd more or less sang, you know, more than like 60, 40, 70, 30 of the night. Yeah. But I feel like if he brought a song that he wanted to to sing, I'm not going to try and force him to sing something that I like, but he doesn't want to sing it. So I think it was kind of thing where we just we brought songs to the table and if we liked it. Yeah. We'll, let's see if let's try it out on the crowd. and If it works, then we'll, we'll keep it. If it doesn't, you know, we'll move on to the next. Do
3: you guys think that it was easier to kind of keep your thumb on the pulse of popular music back then before MP3s and it got all eclectic? Like, I think we just rode that last little wave of like you could turn on the yeah. radio for the weekend and you get your set list for the next three months.
5: Whereas Absolutely. now it's like good
3: freaking luck, man. There's like a two Poo- yeah. boys in the fifties and eighties and it's all mixed up and now right. it's just all over the place. So I, I think it was maybe a little easier to just hone in on uh, the mix
4: of stuff that our audience liked. Right. Yeah. And I think there was a time where we got mm. on the computer and we looked, what are the top 10 billboard. songs on the billboard? Yeah. And we'd like, look at the, that. Oh, okay. These are the popular songs. We should learn some of these.
0: My favorite song that you guys would do was that Audio Slave tune, um, which, and then Alan, I mean, you would, all all of you, all of you just tore that song up, man, with Alan's guitar. Which one, like,
1: like a Stone? Which one?
0: Yeah. That yep. was yeah. a good one. Like a Stone. We have um, a good recording of that. No matter yep. what I was doing, you know, Randy and I would usually be in the audience goofing around or talk, talking to someone or whatever. Whenever you guys started that... Well, I will just stop. And just appreciate it. And Todd, you're, I mean, you just sang the hell out of that song. But um, yep. for you guys, <coughs> which were your favorite? Oh, oh Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. T- Tony, you did a lot and you would do the Incubus stuff. And you Oh, yeah. And I Tony tried. Incubus,
3: really good. But so, yeah, what, I tried.
0: what were your favorite songs, each of you, that you performed? If you could pick one or two, which were your favorites to do? Well, like a stone was a good one.
4: I I like that one. Um, gosh, I don't. If I could look at a set list from back then, mm-hmm. I would be able. It'd be easier for me to pick out.
0: Oh sure, yeah. You know. Plus, you've been in a ton but, of bands since then. So, which song did you? Do right? which band? Yeah, I mean, but I think that Audio Slave de-
4: definitely sticks out. The stuff that we had on the, uh, on the promo, you know, I think the like, Squeeze and. You know, just things like that that people didn't play too often, like "Tempted." You know, Todd and Ethan sang the crap out of that. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah,
0: that was a good. That was a good Ging one too.
1: The, the... Wow.
3: Yeah.
0: the Maroon Five yeah. tune was really good. Ging, gin, oh very... yeah, uh-huh. we
1: did a, We did a couple. We did. uh We did harder to breathe, we, mm-hmm. but we also did uh this. Is yeah, oh,
0: this love, yeah, yeah, Sunday
1: morning, and this love. We did all three of those, I mm-hmm. think.
0: Yeah,
1: oh, you guys remember three oh, doors down, that's yes.
4: cool. You guys
3: remember the gigs in Reno, the seven days,
0: in a right Reno? Yes, keep oh, that, oh, that story going about the Reno one.
3: Oh, I mean, that's that's an endless one. I don't even know where to start, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> man.
4: Um, oh,
1: Brew Brothers, yeah, Brew brothers, Brew brothers at
4: the yeah. El Dorado.
1: Oh, I had a crush on a girl that worked there. What was her name? Joni. When we first,
3: yeah, I mean, you know, there was a whole new scene up there. When we first got there, we stayed at that little just rat motel across. Oh yeah, across the the street. There was things behind the bed posts and stuff, and shit. Oh my god, wait, was that was
1: that Reno or was that Elko? Remember, we went to
2: Elko. Elko, Elko. Well, it was Reno.
3: But then Reno was the one. <laughs> yeah, we did both. Reno was dirty. Elko was probably a little cleaner, but but and they had that really cool room that we played, nobody you know, it'd be like three people there. It would just be like this is such an awesome venue. But then you know the weekend. The one in Elko,
4: was like the Lions Den or something like yeah.
1: that. Yeah. And there was nobody there except like four girls drinking melon shots or something in the front row or something. Yeah,
3: the, yeah, the usual girls too. Every week they'd see Whisper Band with Whoever um, the, the new band is. <laughs> Look, we're going to go see the new band at the casino. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the that the of,
4: longest drive, the four of us oh driving up there in the middle yeah. of the night through Area wait, area 51? That I, was I mean, right. I think Todd
3: I did right.
4: all of that.
1: If I remember right, somebody had gas really bad. Who was
3: that? <laughs> oh, every trip, yeah. <laughs> whoever
2: i think
4: it was um, tony then, hey, it could have been all of us
3: <laughs> you, you know to, to to draw back a little bit to, towards ethan um there was always something cool that he would do or knew something about the area or he just want to go for a walk i remember driving to the glacier uh lookout area in elko like, he was yeah. always just up for something in the day. Like, let's do something, you know, fun, worth our time, get out and about, get some yep. fresh air.
1: Uh, he was always good for that. Absolutely.
4: I mean, I guess that you kind of do that when you go up in Prescott. You kind of hike and – and. but he's always – was always wanting to learn something new, it seemed like. And I always felt like I learned something new hanging out with him.
3: Yeah, yeah man, I can't – I I still – I feel just, it's still just, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have a couple extra beers and I'll just think about Ethan and just, my God, he just feels like a brother to me, you know. So Mm -hmm. many, so many gigs and so many, and he's just such a hard working monster bass player. Just bring it every single freaking note,
2: you know,
4: relentless, right up in the last note, man. There wasn't a time that he didn't play where he didn't give it his all. You know.
3: <laughs> I I I think you're right, man. I you know, I I like to think of myself as a hard worker, but I definitely turned in some tissy performances at, at times, you know, just
2: <laughs>
3: This doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> but Ethan, <laughs> you know, he would just go after it.
1: He would go after it all the time.
4: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: He was uh he's one of the few that could actually I mean, turning in uh, mediocre performances was my specialty when I'd had too much to drink. But the, uh, Ethan was one of those few guys that could actually do, do shots all night long and still play his ass off.
2: <laughs> so, right,
4: and I was just telling Jay Allen this the other night. It didn't matter how much he had to drink. He got through the whole gig, and as soon as he hit the last note, he shut off his bass, then – The Drunk came out, and I was like, wow. He's like, wow, he played like that, and he's he's a totally different person after he hit the last
1: note. It was like he's able to separate his body from his hands or something. It was just – I saw – there were so many nights where I'd see him sit – he'd sit down on the corner of the stage, barely able to stand, but his hands are still going (laughs) – yeah. You get that last note and all of a sudden be like, take me home. <laughs> That's
3: right. We we did that. I mean, we kind of we played with the edge a little bit, you know, like we uh yep. we took liberties and we we had that good time. And I, you know, I'd like to think that the audience was with us mostly. They were laughing <laughs> with us, not at us.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so we think.
0: Right, See, that's,
3: that's how I remember it. <laughs> well, it obviously worked.
0: You know, it obviously worked because I mentioned earlier, you guys were definitely <clears throat> one of the most popular bands during that time in the cover scene. I wasn't gigging as much as you guys during those years because, uh, you know, I was just getting. You know, Alan had just introduced me, Tony, to you and Ethan, and I was slowly, Randy and I were slowly building up. So those first few years, till probably up till about two thousand four. I was just a fan of all the as many bands as I could go and watch and and try to network and get other people to jam with and that kind of stuff. And you know, just moving to Phoenix, I went out and I explored and I watched as many bands as I could. I, you know, I saw Easton east Ash a few times. Um, just I would just go up and down in Tempe, Awatuki, I'd go from east side to west side, watching all kinds of bands. And I can tell you from my perspective that at that at that moment in the scene in that era you guys were definitely one of the best bands for all the reasons we're talking about you know plus i knew you know i was obviously was biased because i knew all you guys and you would give me the time <laughs> and that kind of stuff but um just as a as a fan of the scene during that those eras i mean man you guys were just just killer you know it was so good and you're right you know a lot of the time no matter what ethan what project he was in, you couldn't help but, you know, just walk gravitate towards him. But, you know, something I, I used to notice as a spectator of, and not, not a participant when we were performing music was that he, it was almost like Ethan would capture everyone's attention. He'd do something that would get everyone's attention, And then he would throw it to another member of the band, you know, like he kind of right. went over towards Alan when Alan was gonna do a solo, or he'd look over at Tony and almost like tell the audience, look at this guy, you know?
2: And sing with Todd
0: or with Mike Mercy or whoever he was performing with. And then he had that he had that natural read of the situation, right? So if he was in an original band, he didn't shine so much because he wanted the guy who had written the tunes to be the one that everyone was focusing on. So he'd kind of sit back and say. Yep. But on the cover yeah. things, it was like whew,
2: I that- tell you,
3: I've, I've never felt so loved and supported on stage. I mean, he sets the guitar player up for a solo. He walks you up right to the edge of the stage. He lays down a fat bass riff, just pushes you right out there, and then he like digs on your first couple of bars. You know, he's heard me play this some mundane solo like repeatedly every time, and then he's just like,
5: "Here you go, <laughs> do it again." Yeah, oh
3: yeah. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do that. Let's do a good <laughs> version, you know. He was Hell so yeah. loving. Us. It was just, he's such a, a massive talent and human being to just, you know, I, I didn't appreciate it enough when I, when I was, uh, when I was doing it, you know, I should have looked around a little, a little better, but, uh, but man, right. we sure, sure had a good time.
0: Yeah. And you can tell watching you guys perform, you know, um, you know, one thing that um people don't usually think about is the behind the scenes stuff, like the booking and getting paid and all, you know, who was the business guy or who was the one that would, was it a collective sort of thing or, you know, was it Ethan or was it one of you guys or or just everyone would kind of do their own booking or did you have an official organized system? Was it you Todd?
1: Yeah, I, I did. I mean, there was, I think a lot of the stuff, we actually didn't have anybody have to do that. We had, we got popular enough to the point that, that people were calling us, but um, I think I think I did most of the the booking and, and that type of stuff, um, reaching out to people when we needed to, and uh, you know trying to get corporate gigs and that type of thing. And that's I'm still doing that to this day with with the other bands. So it's just kind of it's kind of always took over that role. I don't know why it just kind of fell because away. the. I- <clears throat>
4: Our take cards had your your number on it and probably Ch- Alan's
1: on there, right? Yeah, I think so. I think there was a couple of our numbers were on there.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, no, I think I
3: remember Todd doing most of the booking for that, and it was it was yeah. good. We stayed busy and, and we got good corporates and it worked out great.
0: I remember
1: yeah. it, it was an easy job. It's it was uh, the bars were calling us to come play, so we didn't. I didn't have to make any calls there. It was towards the the last couple of years of the band is when we started to do some weddings some corporates, which is where the big money is. That's we, that's when the marketing got a little bit more intense, but, um, but yeah, the, the, as far as booking the band, playing in the bars and that type of stuff, that, that wasn't a job. That was, that was actually annoying. People calling me all day. I'm like, I'll call you back. No, we're booked that weekend.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to do it three months out or whatever it is. Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. We had a okay. lot of
1: studies too. We had like flickas every Thursday, right. and then you know, I think at one point we were at—I don't remember when we were when we were at um, Jilly's. Was Jilly's on a Thursday too? Was Jilly's before flickas? Is that how that went? Or was I think Jilly's it was that, Wednesday and then we
4: started. i, I want to say it was a Thursday for a little while, and then it—you know—we it was like an every well every so often it was like a Friday maybe or something like that, right but I do remember Flick as being our steady Thursday night gig.
1: Yeah, for sure. Maybe
4: a Friday every once in a while or a Saturday, but we did have the, the, the home stay there on a Thursday.
0: Well, I know that uh, Todd, you definitely had the reputation for knowing how to, like you can make a gig out of anything. Ethan used to say, and when uh, I was first searching for places to play, when Randy and I finally got organized and, and, got our set together really well. I remember asking Ethan for leads, you know, and he would say, talk to Todd, talk to Todd. That guy can, (laughs) you know, he can get, he can get a gig out of a stone type of thing. Um, And he, I never officially called you or anything like that, Todd, but I remember Ethan saying, well, Todd said, check this place out or check that place out. You you just always kind of had that reputation for being able to, Talk anyone into having a whatever project you were in play there, you know,
1: it was uh, it was with, these, with these guys, that, that, that was an easy job, right? It was say when who's your daddy first started, it was a little nobody had heard of us. Um, mm. it was always hard to get your foot in the door until uh, until we played there a couple of times and people liked us. Uh, with these guys, it was easy. Part of it was actually Alan's. Alan's name helped a lot too, because one of the pitches I'd say would be like, Oh yeah, we're, I'm from Who's Your Daddy? And we've got Tony King, and then we've also got Alan Chadwick. He used to play with the Chadwicks They go, oh play with the Chadwicks? Oh, okay, we'll give you guys a shot. So it was, <laughs> we capitalize on the, the Chadwick's popularity a little bit here and there too. But
0: yeah, Alan, you were you were a local celebrity, dude. I remember when um, we first met and you were helping me set up uh, purchase the stuff to have a little recording studio in my in my apartment I had at the time, and we went down to Fry's Electronics or something like that. And the kid behind the counter, you know, heard overheard us talking about recording music, or whatever. And and then um, you said something about the Chadwicks, and he goes, "Oh, are you Alan Chadwick? Are you in the Chadwicks?" And I remember thinking, <laughs>
2: "And I always
3: do that." I, I'm I'm Anchorman big, right. There's there's like one zip code in Scottsdale. Right. I don't know. <laughs> people know who I am, right? And I don't, I don't known
0: <laughs> you for like a year, and I just remember thinking, "Wow, maybe I was like a famous guy." You know. <laughs> you know, and speaking of marketing. he was famous. Oh, what'd you say, Tony?
4: I see. He was famous.
0: What's famous? All, uh, you, you know, every famous. time
4: you you got you went and saw Alan play with the Chadricks on the Thursday night, and it's the first guy I ever saw put the guitar behind his head and do a solo at you know, the end of uh, anything anything or something like that <laughs> i was like that dude's bad
3: that was quite the run i think we played like eight years without a break before john took a trip to europe or something it was just oh, we wow.
0: lived it yeah like, Bill, i remember the, one of the first but, well, I've, you know, when I first moved to Phoenix, uh, all over the radio, Chadwick's, Martini Ranch, Chadwick's, Chadwick's, Chadwick's. And then when I saw your name and in in, when I answered your ad, I was like, oh, this must be one of those Chadwick dudes. I thought all of your names were Chadwick. Brothers or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know,
0: speaking of marketing, Todd mentioned earlier, once you guys started getting into the corporate stuff and uh, weddings and whatnot, I want to show you this little tidbit of history that I have here.
3: Oh, oh no. the demo hey <laughs> on the train track how's that for innovation you guys <laughs> on the train track.
2: wait
4: turn it over what's, what's, the back? what's on the back
3: that is that that's not the good one is it
1: oh is that the special Dude, one
0: i think that's the special one i don't know <laughs> if it is or not okay well like cuz i was it looking is. at it and i can tell way. by how
1: big my head is <laughs>
0: Say, that's the, fake one. Your that's the fake like, one. to your crotch, right
4: Todd <laughs> that's, the, that's the fake one
0: and then uh, get
3: that dude I don't have a copy of that I feel like don't to like one of a copy
0: <laughs> well Kathleen uh, heard our inter- our interview Alan and then she heard me you know asking Todd about it as well <laughs> and I think when she was uh, when she was cleaning out Ethan's place came across this DVD and said, I'm not sure if this is the one that you guys were talking about on the podcast
3: oh I can tell you
0: here it is so like I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was or not but when you look at the titles here see so how it says like well I don't know this is it's looking backwards to me is it backwards to everything, you no, it's, it's everything, good here.
3: Spelled, everything spelled wrong
4: <laughs> read it to us Chris and and, and spell it out for us okay. <laughs> that way the audience knows what what we did.
0: So number one says, the middle, Jimmy Eat World. And then the next one has no number next to it. It says, like a stone, audio slave. (laughs) And then number two says, learn to fly, foof, fighters. (laughs) And then number three says, like a stone, audio slave. (laughs) Again. And then uh, number four says, hurts. Melon camp, or like it's spelled Melon camp weird. <laughs> and, then, and then number number five says eight days by the Beatles with two E's. <laughs> and then number six is fruit of another. And um, fruit is uppercase, but the rest of them are lowercase.
1: My Squeeze blade is spelled with like three E's or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three, there's three E's.
3: We are so proud. That could be one of the, the, the finest achievements in my entire music yeah. career. And then
0: right here for there's 2D. Todd's favorite way to have his name spelled with 2 D's. Spelled <laughs> my name wrong. And then r- yeah. Rhythm. Rhythm is missing the H. It's Right Them. write Them. write <laughs> them, 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 them Guitars. <laughs> but I could see how, like, you you did just enough stuff right to where it wasn't, like, completely goofed Like A lot you of it went is, full right, bore. Right. Just little tidbits here and there. And then the audio, too. Like, there's a bunch Oh, God. Of, if You, you, you got to listen audio. to the songs.
1: The songs are the best part. Oh, God. Songs are the... Uh, <laughs> The songs have a whole bunch of fuck ups and screeches in them and
3: <laughs> Or like or like outtakes, right? Like fucking give me that let's do that one again. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just in there on the track.
0: <laughs> you know how at the end of each episode I I'll play some tunes or whatever kind of related to the person I'm talking to. So I'll go through this and, and find some of those goof-ups and play it at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, well you, you
4: got to do a little a one of each, like a little bit of each, okay. because there's each song has a little bit of some. I was alluding to with Audio Slave earlier when uh, we started. Uh, what, the Audio Slave on there is Todd clearing his throat before he starts singing. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. bam Todd, <clears throat> like a cobweb.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> look at you guys, though, man! How young
3: you guys all look! Look at that. Oh, I have a big, man. huge poster in my garage. Um, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it, but it's of us at Tempe Town Lake, sitting on near some railroad tracks. Best band photos
4: ever near the railroad tracks. <laughs> well, this th- those railroad tracks are by your old place, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, we used to record there, and and remember, uh, Doug lived there, and Matt Goodman lived there. So it was yep. a band house. There was something sure. going on in the studio. I was recording bands. I mean, it was like a hub of just coming through, recording. Everybody oh, that that old Gretsch kid of mine. Like, I just did oh, yeah. that to, to, to hell.
4: Yep, yep. Well, then I think you know what we have to do next is talk about this. What's that? We got to talk about this.
1: The, oh yeah, how, showed, <laughs> like we showed the showed the CD, but never talked about the how what the purpose of it was. <laughs> yes. Oh but, yeah, all right. well, I was kind of right. I was kind of waiting for you guys to
0: start getting into it. So okay, okay well, so I'll, I'll take show, the, I'll take the lead
1: on this. <laughs> yeah, all right. So um, we we'd been together for a little bit, and we decided that we wanted to start playing some big corporate events because that's where the money is. So I got us hooked up with this company called Sound Effects and Lighting um, and we were going to play there. They had a client party every year uh, where all the corporate event planners, and the DMCs would come to the thing. So I got us hooked up to play this gig in front of all these people that had the potential to give us tons and tons of work. so we started work on the on the promo. We started everything, we started recording some things in preparation, but I don't know where I was going, but I left town. You went to you Gal- went Galapagos. Island.
4: Okay, Galapagos. Exactly. Did I go
1: to Europe? I don't remember. Where did I go,
4: Tony? I thought it was you went to go scuba diving or the Galapagos Islands oh, or something I, like, like that.
1: Very well could have been. Uh, we well, just I,
4: knew you were uh, gonna be gone.
1: Uh, <laughs> Alan and I used to sit around and bullshit every once in a while and go fly fishing and have some conversations and talk about things and one of Alan's things was uh, back then was uh, I don't really believe in grammar and spelling all that much <laughs> <laughs> kind
3: of, kind of a school teacher <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I, and it, it was a good point like so who cares if it's fucking spelled with one e or two e's or whatever like uh, and, and we agreed on ninety nine percent of the, like the education system in America is broke for sure. Um, we're focusing on the wrong thing, whatever. Anyway, so but um, the rest of the world doesn't agree with us on these points uh, when it comes to like marketing and that type of shit. So especially
4: the corporate world,
1: <laughs> especially the corporate world, right? So before I left, I had given specific instructions to Ethan. Hey, when you guys put this all together, make sure that you check it over, check for any spelling errors, make sure you really pay a lot of attention to like all the little details. This is going out to a ton of corporate people that are going to be scrutinizing our, our thing. So normally that would have been like a job that I would do at home. I'd like get it all together and I'd spell check it, put it all, lay it all out and make sure everything looks good for the corporate world. And I laid it into Ethan's lap. And I'll let Tony take it from here.
4: <laughs> well, no, I go, Alan, go, Alan. Well, I mean, uh,
3: I, I just remember working hard on it, but I think it was, uh, Ethan was like, yeah, top Todd, Todd's super stressed out about us getting this right. And, uh, <clears throat> I ended up doing a lot of the audio stuff, right? So I'd a couple of times have to sit through all extra takes and do the mixes and stuff. And that, that add up and be hours. So I, I was usually a little maxed out and you know, I felt like I put my studio time in to make it all nice. And uh, <clears throat> and then Ethan started to, like, rag me a little bit. Like, Todd's really stressed out, dude. I mean, he wants this to be good. I'm like, no, <laughs> <"What the> hell? <laughs> Fuck
1: Todd. He's on vacation. He's on vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's on vacation. We're, we're in here in the studio sweating it out. Yeah, and if so he that, cared, that he'd be weird. here. <laughs> that was, like, the first of it. And then, I don't know, Tony... I, something happened where we learned something that Todd did like last week or something. or Like the reason he was late or something. Or he, we found out that he had uh, pulled, uh, he he pulled Doug aside before the image was done and and like was oh, yeah. something. And they haven't fixed no the big deal at all. on my pants.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
3: not even he. It wasn't even a big deal at all. Any of us could want to like not have a you know something wrong with our clothing and the and the picture that we chose, right? Um, but we heard about that. We're like, oh, we've got time for that. You know, that we're, we're finishing the mix or something. And then we just we started riffing off each other. And um, I remember Ethan just he was just having such a good time. And we were just sitting around thinking, what could we do next? What's okay. the next thing we're going to put in there? I remixed the whole thing. It like took me an extra day just to remix everything <laughs> the crappy way. <laughs>
4: because uh, because you know, ethan's like we need to do a, <laughs> we need to do a fake one for todd uh, it was
3: ethan's idea wasn't
4: it it was his idea yes
3: oh my god that and then, so that, that's funny.
4: when we brought doug in and doug brought up him walking on the train tracks and and he's like and doug's like yeah you can do this to this and and all of a sudden he grabs todd's head and he started making it bigger and i'm like yes keep going and he goes really and i go Make it bigger. Make it Hold bigger that. than mine. Hold I'm standing up, in Chris. the front.
1: Show, show the front of that. Look how big my head
4: is compared to his head's to my body. bigger than mine, and I, I'm in the front. Looks <laughs> like, like a little toddler back
3: there with a the big head. <laughs> oh, man, oh, that was good. Oh, but we we just went a thousand percent all in. I mean, by the time Todd even even learned about it. Well, I mean, he he had a rough night when he when he found it, but
2: (laughs) we had already
3: we had like a last last bits of energy into it, and thank goodness it wasn't like business hours because he would have like called, he would have like tracked down every postman in Arizona that just got mailed to, and like ran him over before they delivered the CD to to the places that he thought it was going to. (laughs) Um, But none of us could face him. The night. So we played, I wanna say it was Kokomo Joe's or something. Jillies. 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 None of us could give it to him. He <coughs> got back from vacation and we had our first gig and the demo, the fake demo was it. And all three of us all night long, me, Tony, and Nathan were just like When are we gonna give it when are we gonna give it to him, dude? Who's gonna give it to him?
2: Who's going I dare you to
3: give it to him? I can't give it to him. I'll crack up, I'll crack up and he'll get he'll he'll he will get he will he will not Get the joke. So, I think one of us just, like, leaned it on his rearview mirror in his car. We couldn't face him. And we just left it on his car. We all went home, and we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then he starts calling all of us, like, round robin. Like, what the fuck is this? I was on my way home, and I heard the wrong mix. And then I just got home, and I looked at the CD, and it spelled wrong. (laughs) And so we put all this energy into it, and then like Todd would try each mistake like one at a time, and somebody <laughs> would get a phone
1: call. <laughs> nobody no would answer the, but nobody would answer the phone.
3: And then, and then as soon as one of us got a message from Todd, we'd call each other up and play and look, Dude, he found the
2: spelling mistake. He found this one.
4: <laughs> do you have those recordings of his voicemail? I man? have them.
3: I have them somewhere. Oh I my do. god. They are so funny.
1: We're going to lose gigs. (laughs) (laughs) The best best part about it was that um, I'd I'd already known, obviously I'd known Ethan for a lot of years, and I'd known Tony for a little bit of time, and I hadn't known Alan that long. I don't remember how long we'd been in the band, but um, Alan and I had kind of a new relationship, so I didn't feel like I could just... Call him up and attack him personally. So the conversations that I had with Ethan on Ethan's voicemail were much different than the ones I had with Alan. So I'm like, Alan's a great guitar player. I don't want him to like leave the band or anything. And I've not known him that long. I don't. I don't have a relationship with him where I can go. What the fuck? Yet. So I called Ethan. Went. What the fuck, dude? What's the matter with you? Blah, fuck, fuck, rah, fuck, 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 fuck. And then I called Alan. And I was like. Hey man, hope you're doing well. Um Hey, I was listening to the CD, and I think there might be some issues we need to address. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, call Tony to fucking shit, man! Why didn't you fucking pay attention <laughs> to this shit?
4: The best part was nobody answering the phone, and Todd just going ballistic on the other end, not having any sort of finalization on like what somebody couldn't give him a straight answer, and then. Dean Miller got the real copy and calls Todd that's saying, Hey man, your demo sounds really good. (laughs) It sounds great. And Todd's like, Are you shitting me? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Everything's misspelled. We got all these wrong
2: takes on there.
4: (laughs) Todd was beside himself and the whole time we were all in the background just laughing our asses off. Good. That's that's I
1: think that's one of the best. One of the best gigs, one of the best tricks ever been played on me. <laughs> and then we and it was it was the next gig we go,
2: ah I got you.
4: <laughs> he he uh, yeah, it took him like a minute
3: to like, wait, wait, what? The whole thing's fake? Why why would you do that? Like it was it was
2: so dead,
4: man. Like,
3: why in the world would you even do that? <laughs>
2: what
3: I did you start was, calling
4: uh, people the next day, Todd?
3: Yeah, what well, he said is Start, like he 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 called somebody and said yeah yeah you might get the wrong cd but we'll give you another copy don't worry there's another one coming yes. or something and we're like oh he's calling people we gotta tell
4: him <laughs> <laughs> yes yes exactly exactly
0: yeah. were, you oh, out, like, were, you, were you freaking out like feeling like you had to track all these down and get a hold of
1: everyone well it was you know it was one of those yeah i was new to the we were all kind of new to the corporate market at that point point. I didn't know if it was like fuck up once and, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression type of thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had all put in a lot of work into it. Some of us a little more than others. And, but it was my job as the marketing contact guy to kind of reach out to all these people. So yeah, I was, I was a little stressed out.
3: (laughs) Reasonably so reasonably so. I mean,
4: uh, (laughs) a lot of it stressed out. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and we, you know, we, we. So remember, you guys. Ethan always threatened, you know, to write his book, and I always remember he's like, "This would be just a a little good chapter in that Ethan book of all the stuff that Ethan has seen and all the bands that he's played in." And uh, I, I always, I always doing. felt like this particular story, this classic band. Story, you know, it's Final Tap. It, it's just like our little take on uh relieving pressure and all the tensions of a creative group. You know, it was so right.
4: Classic. And did you ever remember Ethan always talking about, you know, if like his, we could make a, a Star Wars figure of each person? Did you ever say that to you guys?
3: I I don't,
4: I remember, I don't remember that, that one. What he say you know always tell you, Tony. Tell us right now. Well, you know, he's, you know, he was big into Star Wars and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so he wishes he could have made like a little Star Wars figure of each one of us, oh, you know, I like, like, it good. like, like, you know, you would have your, your guitar with your Chadwick amp and then Todd would have his acoustic guitar, but he would have the fake demo in there. as like the little side <laughs> item, you know? <laughs> On his holster, the fake demo, ready to give it to the corporate planner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, dude! That was
2: good. I, I, I'm so happy you,
4: you showed that, Chris. I'm, I'm glad are that you, you showed that. How do
3: you have a copy? That is like gold, man. We need close-up photos. We need a copy of the CD. Sure, uh, man.
0: Yeah, that,
3: that is a one of a kind. Like,
0: yeah, even so held, the...
3: held on to that.
0: Is this the only one in existence that I have? I, I mean, now, is there no, point?
3: is it or no? There, I think there could have been like we may have made like we may have like printed out like four papers, but they didn't all make it into a sleeve. They didn't all make it into a copy. Those CDs are you know you leave them in the sun for an afternoon they go bad. So like if that is I emotional, had,
1: I had my copy for a while. I wish I don't know if I still do. I'd love to look through my attic full of shit see if i can still find it
0: i hope the cd That'd be now, hilarious. now you guys you know i'd like to like tony said take a little snippet from each one find the goof ups and you'll it. hear them
3: don't don't put my <laughs> voice on there you don't you don't want to do that that's i i swapped out i sang one of todd's songs and it was just horrific it was awful oh yeah oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah not yeah. the right move but it was just like, what song uh-oh. what song was it alan uh, probably a Foo Fighters
4: song, like "Learn to Fly." Learn
0: to, Learn to fly. fly.
4: Oh, geez.
0: Foo Fighters. <laughs> Foo <laughs> <Foof> Fighters. <laughs> but you know
4: what's funny is is the real demo sounds really really good.
2: Oh. You know, we
3: were getting some good sounds, man. Um, that studio and the, and the sounds that we got. There was that one song. Uh, I forget the name of the band, the name of the song, but. That's um, strong. Oh yeah!
0: Headstrong.
2: Headstrong. Nice
0: catch, Chris. Oh nice. uh, yeah.
3: I mean, I, I was yeah. just mixing that, going like, "Man, this is tight." You know, Bob's voice is records so well, and everybody's right. just nailing it. You know, And uh, we did a uh, didn't we do like a blues song to uh, Jimmy Jimmy Raybon song, Steve uh, yeah. Raybon
4: song. Uh, <clears throat>
3: Are you? It was
1: it the uh? Or was it the uh, John Mayer tune? Cause we waited, waiting on the world to change.
3: Oh see, we did a lot of good
0: ones. Yeah, we I did guess. a lot of good ones. Yeah, a lot of good ones. And with Tony and Ethan grooving it, you know, just yeah, then Alan, you and Todd could just dance on top of that awesome groove that those guys would put together.
3: There's a the sound right like how many i've I've recorded so many band bands out of my studio out of my gear and and um you know no matter what the soft goes into it you can't you can't underplay the the instruments involved and Ethan's bass you know you could always tell he was on a recording it was just thick, laid down and it was always locked the hell in with the bass it was just right there I mean the we did. You know several of chris's records in there and it was just mm-hmm. so nice yeah tony, tony those are some of the best drum sounds i've ever ever gotten to this day so those on chris's the record best, some of the best snare sounds i've ever ever even
4: yeah it had a really good uh verb on there mm. it was that pop there. Your, yeah
1: i remember in uh I was thinking back to when when I met you first, and I think it was, I think it was Sugar Daddies, And I remember Alan saying, hey, a friend of mine said, can we get, let's get him up to play. Of course, I'm always ready to, back then I'm like, fuck yeah, I will get a shot at the bar. <laughs> Anybody can come out wherever they want. And uh, what was that band you got up and you did, please miss. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, uh, shit. Oh, uh, uh, shit. Farside, right? Farside. Side with ph? Yeah. yeah. I remember like, walking away and you guys started to play the song, and I remember walking towards the bar to go get a shot or something and stopping and turn around going,
2: fuck, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Right
0: on. That one,
1: it was like, "Oh shit, and please, Mr. Officer was the other one or something like that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great when Chris would show up to the gig. And,
3: uh, oh, man, that was
0: awesome. Yeah, what was that song, Chris? For- um, yeah, it's called Officer by the far side. Please don't pull me over, Mr. Officer. Don't pull me <laughs> over, Mr. Officer. Please, please don't. That's right. Me. Yeah, and it told a whole story yeah. about, you know, the cops pulling over a uh, car full of guys acting crazy. Yeah. No, hey, man, I mean, that was, that was huge for me, that whole uh, just getting up and, you know, and that's why obviously it was a motivation to come see you guys because I knew Ethan would be like, Come do oh shit, you know, and I get up and do it, and then I'd get off stage and just kind of wait for everyone to come around. And be like,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You walk yeah, out. What's your name? Like,
3: Yeah, that was me. No big deal. Whatever. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> no big deal. That's it's those no guys. Yeah, I got
3: a band. I play with those guys in another band. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and again, you know, Ethan just always bringing people into the. You know, and I've got some other questions about the band, the dynamics of the band, this, this, this and that. I see we're like around the hour point. You know, really, I would just like to know what kind of memories you guys have of Ethan. Because everyone on the podcast so far, everyone knows that he took command on the stage. Everyone knows he was charismatic. Every, You know, we've already established that he was a solid musician and a solid person Um, with, you know, like we all do, our strengths and our weaknesses. But are there now that the the three of your brains are in one screen right now what kind of memories come to the surface when you think of Tate and everything we're talking about and you see Ethan's face you know what what are the words that come to your mind what are the images you see
1: I for me it's I I still think about it a lot I mean there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him and especially on gig days because it's Shit, half the songs that I still do are still songs that he and I did together. And it's, I'll be playing the song and I'll remember he used to make a noise here or something like, right? Like, what's the song? Uh, oh, like Walking in Memphis. They got catfish on the table. They got gospel in the air. And he'd always go, Whoa, Lord. <laughs> 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 so for me, it's i i think about it a lot of what trajectory my life would have taken if i had not met him like i have no idea where i would be if you know who's your daddy was great we were a great fun band you know they was we had a lot of fun but at the time i'd gotten out of college i had a college degree and i was my engine you know we weren't making as much money in the band back then, and my engineering job was much more important. Um, when Ethan joined the band and we started doing the two-man acoustic show thing, then all of a sudden the band income started to creep up on the engineer income. You know what I mean? And then, and then I started uh, being, you know, we there, had a lot more exposure to ladies and a lot more exposure to all kinds of things. Next thing I know my desire to hang out late at night and pick up on girls and play music overtook my desire to sit in an office chair from eight to five pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and I think a lot about what would happen if if Ethan would have no, never joined the band and we never started the two-man acoustic thing. I would have never met my wife. I would have never had my kids. Like I, I wouldn't have been hosting an open mic night at, at Kokomo Joe's the night my ex-wife walks in the bar, you know, that's, he's, he's so hugely responsible for the entire tack that I took with my life altogether. And uh, you know, there's, whether that's good or, you know, there's a little bit of bad in some of that maybe. And, but there's also an amazing, I would never, I would take it back. I would never, would not change a goddamn thing because it's, it's, it's all the stories and the love and the and the end result has put me where I am today. And I've got two of the most amazing children in the world. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, who knows? I might, maybe I'd be an ex, you know, an ex CEO in a engineering firm somewhere somewhere if I hadn't, but I, I wouldn't have the stories. I wouldn't have the friendship. And I wouldn't have the, wouldn't have my kids. Wouldn't, I'd probably have other kids, but not these two. I'm not replacing these two. <laughs> so right.
3: I'm into that. I mean, that's the story of Ethan. Is he takes everybody and lifts them up, and and uh, he's you know somebody you want to be on the journey with.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's I I wouldn't trade this journey with him for anything. Not not for a billion dollars. Well,
4: that's true. I mean, if have had not been for Ethan, I wouldn't have met Todd. You know. I I probably wouldn't. Well, I don't know. Maybe I would have met you, Chris, because I already had known the guys in the Chadwick. So I knew Alan. But, you know, putting this band together was, you know, that day and age, it was really something special. I think for the four of us, you know, we all took these these new journeys, you know, and um, to the friendships that I've made along the way with a bunch of people, you know, I wouldn't have met, you know, Jay Allen. And those those people, you know, Ashley and Jay Poole and all those people that began you know, with Delcoa, I wouldn't have met all those people, you know. So yeah. Yeah, Ethan's so, responsible for all of these friendships, I think, in so many people's lives.
1: Yeah, would wouldn't have if it wasn't for me meeting <laughs> Ethan and us playing in Jilly's, there would be no, well, I'm sure Jay would be doing something, but there would have never been a Delcoa. There would have never been a Jay and Ash. There would have never been a JTM3. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's funny how all this, all these little offshoots from all the little things, just like, it, it's the journey, and it is, and it's it's the way it was meant to be. But
4: yep. Ethan's that pillar, you know, and all these little branches
1: that just kind <laughs> of filter, you know.
4: Yep. Yeah, that's he was like he was like
3: he was. He uh, that's the way I remember it too. I uh, there was one. One time I was hanging out with him in 2004, um, I think a certain president got elected again or something, and, and he, got so, <laughs> he got so angry, and I, and he just kicked the crap out of his car, and he just he just kicked his own car, and I'm just like, man, that guy feels it, you know, and I, and, and <laughs> I think that's the one thing you can't ever overstate about Ethan is like, he, he was feeling it, man. He was living it he felt everything he did everything and he, he lived it to the hilt you know yep. he was he was on 11 and if you could hang you know just buckle up for the ride
1: huh. what, what a ride it was and you know my
0: my thing was just all of you guys you know just how kind <laughs> um considerate and open you were not just to me but Like Alan, there were a lot of times where you'd show up um, and you'd have a buddy with you that you just met, who's kind of maybe they were going to school at the conservatory and didn't quite know a whole bunch of musicians. Or like with me, you know, it was like I answered your ad. You'd bring me in your studio, kind of, you know, try to teach me how to play in time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Alan Alan was telling me.
0: Alan would be watching John Stewart and other or whatever, and I'd come over to his house to to record, and he'd be like, "Okay, push this button, this records, this stops, this goes back, so you could do another track or whatever." And and I'll be in another room, so I'd be like, "All right," so I'd start, I'd start it, and then I'd play my guitar, and then I'd go back and try to sing over that, and then come back. Next thing I knew, <laughs> each track was like way, you know. Off, and I come get Alan. He'd come in, he'd go, "Well." You know, you, you gotta play in time. Like you put the the metronome on, and then and after a while, you just kind of be like, well, yeah, just don't worry about the met. Just play and sing. <laughs> 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 and then you know, but but even even though you know, I didn't, I couldn't play in tune. I was or in time or tune. I, my guitar is always in tune. You know, they, but I don't even
3: remember. I think that people learning or starting out like that maybe over remember how the the path to getting there yeah. what i remember is you jamming out at those gringos like yeah. you know you guys were just king of that freaking castle over there yeah and, yeah that was and, awesome and jamming out with us so it was like i hardly even remember any of those you know struggling times all i remember is like those awesome records we made and it just a few months went by and you'd show up with a whole band and be like oh shit here we go
0: just being around you it was like osmosis almost, you know. Like, I picked up all this stuff and got out there and just did it. And, um, the learning, you know, I picked it up pretty quick. But just Ethan's kindness, man, to like, hey, I don't know you, I don't know, but sure, let's do battle of the bands, whatever, you know, and bring yeah. Tony. And I see Tony playing, I'm like, holy crap, these guys are really good, you know, why are they playing with me? And it wasn't just me. I I observed that through all the years I knew you guys, you're always so kind and open to to, to perform with people, whether they were good or bad or whatever, you know, and and, and Ethan was very tactful about making a comment
4: to, to you or anybody in that case for how to adjust without putting you down or making you feel uncomfortable. He said it very smooth and yeah, you know, in a very helpful way. Yep. Supposed to be like, "Hey, you're doing this wrong." Right. You know, that's that was not him.
0: One thing of of all the years I knew Ethan, I never heard him bashing anyone, even people who I feel might have deserved it. You know, <laughs> I don't ever remember him. I I've seen him in crazy states where I didn't want to be. <laughs> seen him in you know re- really happy eras. And and no matter what stage he was in, I never heard him talking bad about anyone or a musician. Nope. This musician's not good. Because you know, sometimes people get to talk about I don't like this band, or never, dude. And that is so rare, you know.
4: Yeah. So he just, didn't that's... he never did that.
0: No, oh, I can't remember a time or ever. <laughs> no. yeah, that was solid. Too, it,
3: almost to a yeah. That's it's that thing that they say, right? That, uh, what you hold against other people is just, it's, it fills your own cup with poison. It doesn't fill anybody else's cup. You just right. hold your own cup of crap, and you're, like, carrying away in that water. And he uh, just didn't seem to have that going on, which is a beautiful
0: thing. Yeah. Yep. It's very rare. I could talk to you guys for hours, man, but um, we're we're rounding about the hour and a half point. And before not we... Not right. already? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. feels, it feels like, five, like 20 yeah. minutes, man. Time flies when you're having fun, but before we get uh, to saying goodbyes and and summing up this of sorts, you know, um, what would you say is the one thing you miss the most about Ethan? You know, it's kind of an obvious question, but at the same time, like if you really thought about it, whether it's something he used to say or do or just a state of something that you miss, what would you guys say individually, Do you miss the most about him?
4: I miss the late night drives after a gig like the, the the phone call I would get or I'd call him coming home from from a gig and I just miss the the chatter about the gig about you know the, the the nights events or when him and I weren't in a band together you know I'd be coming home from a gig he'd be coming home from a gig and we could call each other and talk about it and just laugh and joke. And at the end of the conversation, he would always tell me, You're my favorite drummer. And I know he probably said that too to all of his whoever he was playing drums with, but you know, I think I played with him I'd like to say I played with him the most. So I think That's that right. and I had a real we had a real strong bond. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like most of the times at gigs when we were playing together, we kinda shared a brain. So I, I miss I miss that and just his love and laughter and that laugh that infectious laugh um yeah I man just him having a blast on stage
1: yeah I'd say obviously I miss doing gigs with him I, I miss his energy on stage I mean in every band I've been in since and um I miss the stories he always had a, you know, he lives every single gig. He'd show up to something, dude. I gotta tell you what happened today. <laughs> he always had a fucking story,
5: dude. Yeah. You hear what happened
1: last weekend? And then like, I miss us like, like in the good days playing gigs together, and just literally bringing each other to tears, like almost falling off the stool, laughing and eat that let like Tony said enough. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, just like the stories and the laughter and the in the in mm. the secret things he's gonna tell you. Like you're not gonna believe. Secret like, things yeah. he's gonna tell you. You're, you're, you get Ethan on the phone.
2: You're gonna hear some secret things.
3: That's
1: so hard. Ethan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was terrible keeping secrets. That uh, was horrible keeping secrets. But you know, he'd always he make horrible. it fucking hilarious when, when he told people. So yeah, it's I miss that and his musicianship, and I, I just every every time I play a gig, I think about him. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> Alan,
3: well said, well said, you guys. I I miss talking to him more than anything, touching bass, talking <laughs> to him. Um. God, the guy was so freaking smart, man. He's up on everything. You know, there's no crazy random subject. You know, my last one of my last conversations with him was on Sam Harris versus Noam Chomsky. You know, we had our little, (laughs) and it's like, who the hell cares? Like, we, he just is so deep on everything. And, and it was a pleasure to talk with him about all the stuff and with what I feel like is a brother. Like, so many hours on stage and days living in each out of each other's you know we we were a business we were a family we were you know musicians and and we worked together and and for me it was just life itself you know being in these bands and 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 paying the rent and not having to go to a job um was just like peter pan you know it, it was just amazing and and he made it all happened. He lifted us all up and just talking to the guy. Um, just, I remember our, my last conversation with him in person, gave him a big hug, told him I loved him. And, um, then last time on the phone, same thing, man. It's like, love you, bro. It was, it, it's just such a heartwarming feeling to, to connect with him as a human being. And, and to,
4: to share time with him. No, those I are- still have his text messages on my, on my phone and i briefly yeah i briefly will look through some of the stuff that we were talking about or pictures we were sending and stuff and some yeah like alan said smart guy always up to date with something and just uh just the stuff that we talked about that brings me right back to that day i miss him too i love him
1: last time i talked to him was the uh Right before he went into the hospital, there was, um, Kirsten that texted me and said, yeah, um, Ethan's got COVID. He's in the back room. It'd be cool if you guys reached out to him. I know he's feeling a little down or something. So I remember calling him and talking for about 15, 20 minutes. And, and that was, that was a, an unfortunate turn of events because he, um, I don't think he knew, but because he was still at home at that point, right? He just, he thought he was just had COVID like everybody else had COVID. He's probably going to get over it. But he just, he just didn't sound like his happy, usual self. And it was, it was a difficult conversation. It was, uh, I'll call you when I'm, call you when I'm better. I'll call you when I'm better. All right, man. I'm just going to call you tomorrow, anyways, check in on anyways. So it was, uh, yeah. That was—it bugs me that that kind of last conversation. Our last conversation was just kind of a like a, a brief ten minute. All right, man, do anything you need anything? Can I bring you anything? Nope. Good. The just take care of everything. Thanks. You know, feel like shit. Can't. Whatever. Whatever. So it's is I, I. If you had to go, I wish you would have been on like telling me a funny joke secret something i wasn't supposed to know, <laughs> <You> know <laughs> I, mean, like, thing, yeah. I wish the hang-up would have been <laughs> and then the hang <laughs> up, <you>
2: know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
1: would
0: have been ideal
2: yeah oh, they're
3: somewhere God. laughing at us right
1: now yeah
0: yeah, yeah um,
1: hopefully yeah
0: you know just for me just this whole process of talking to everybody and so many people, a lot of people that I don't even that I'm meeting for the first time over zoom who knew Ethan. Um, I just feel like he's around all the time, especially when I'm in in a era of interviews, you know, cause I'll take a couple months break. And then I recently went back and started listening to the episodes cause it's different when you're editing and stuff. Right. And I put them out and I'm so busy that I don't go back and listen to them. And I was doing some dishes recently, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go back and hear hear what it sounds like, a a year removed from starting it, you know? And um, when I'm listening to it, it's almost as if though it's not anything I'm involved with, you know? Like, I'm just, like, hearing someone else interviewing someone about Ethan. Right. Just hearing people talk about him makes me feel warm and happy and like, oh, Ethan, you know? And then it hits me, like,
1: He's not here anymore. Yeah, yeah. And We do it, that all the time. Like, I, if oh. it's, I'm not kidding you. Still to this day, still to this day, every time I need to fill in bass player, first thing that clicks in my head is I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> still, every single time, then I go, it's only a millisecond, right? I go, oh, fuck. Yeah. Eat, fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
3: that's a rough one. I know we've we've. We've texted each other once in a while, just on one of our long text chains, and it will just be an end of a long night, maybe the end of something, some period in my life or something. And and I'll just think of all the you know the blessings. And Ethan will be right up there. And I'll just wish I could text him and be like, hey, bro.
0: Well. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you spending so much time with me tonight, man. And it's just great to see you all together. And I'm assuming it's cool for you guys to all see each other together, too. Yeah. I love you
3: guys. Thank you so much for, for being in a band with me. It was
1: so amazing.
0: Oh, what's that Todd? What you got? Oh,
1: it's just a picture that popped up in my memories uh, yesterday of us playing at Sandbar.
0: Cool. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, any kind of, any if you guys can <laughs> see, um, Pictures lying around or whatever, you know. Whenever the episode comes out, I like to put stuff on the Facebook page, you know, just so share something with me. And then, Tony, I'll do, I'll take your advice and put a little clip of each of tune on here. Hopefully, the CD's still good. It doesn't look like it was opened very much. I mean, CD looks <laughs> in, in decent shape. There's a couple fingerprints and stuff, but do you have a CD player
2: to play it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Maybe your old computer still them. Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: I've got a, a CD ROM thing that I can plug into my laptop. There you go. That's what I'll use it. No, old no, school. I do. Yeah, for Christmas a couple years ago, my wife got me a record player so I could do like the vinyl thing. And uh it had a little cassette pl- or a cassette and a CD player on it, which I've never touched. I've only done the record thing. <laughs> But wow. anyway, anyway, guys, I I really appreciate your time, man. And it was great to have you together. And thanks for being a part of this project and helping to celebrate Ethan's life. And I love every, each and every one of you. And I hope we talk soon.
3: Chris, thank you, man, yeah. you, guys. you. You are so nice to do this. And, uh, um, wow. Just nobody else put it together, man. You did it. It's the same way that you went out and got a band going and, uh, part of that music scene. Thank you so much for yeah, doing man. this. Uh, it's a of real yeah. a real nice thing.
1: It it's it's yeah. strange to me how it still feels um uh I had the conversation with you separately about it. we all did. We all, you interviewed us all separately. right? um and then we just did this hour and 40 minutes and I still feel like there's another 4 hours worth of shit to talk about. So oh, sure. um yeah I'm down for part three. If everybody else is, <laughs> yeah. I
2: am too, but yeah, dude, There's
1: uh, so many, so many stories. So yeah. maybe we need to do a, a NC 17 version at some point. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, when, after we say goodbye, I'm sure there might be a couple stories flying around that won't we'll make it on the podcast.
2: <laughs> Cause there's a, couple Stop, things, there's a couple things I'm
0: curious about that, that, uh, you know, aren't family friendly, but, um, definitely Todd. I mean, any, everyone I've talked to, man, a lot of people will text me back. Oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. And there doesn't have, you know, I mean, I've always had the invitation out there. If Any of you or anyone listening ever have, Oh, I remember this, or I remember that. Let me know, man. We'll get it done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. And we appreciate you, Chris, either way.
0: Right. Yep, absolutely. The least I could do for Ethan, man. He did so much for me. Absolutely. For all of us. All of us. Yeah. Yep. Okay, guys. Thank you. Peace, fellas. Well, it was really great to be able to get the guys from Tate back together. And I feel very lucky to have been a part of it. It was nice to see their faces when they saw each other again. I have a lot of respect and admiration for each of these guys, and they've been good friends over the years. Um, So that was a really special experience. So Todd, Alan, and Tony, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I'm sure that many other people will enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to join me next week when I'll be speaking with Shannon Brown. Shannon was a very good friend of Ethan's and she shares some wonderful stories, thoughts, and memories of Ethan. So please make sure to join me next week so that you can listen to that. Before I leave you with a song today, I thought it would be fun to play a couple of voicemails um, that Alan has kept over the years. During our conversation, we were talking about the fake promotional CD that uh, Tony, Ethan, and Alan created to play a prank on Todd. And Uh, The guys were talking about how after Todd listened to the CD, he called Alan and Ethan and uh, had some words for them. So I thought it would be fun to play those voicemails since Alan has kept them all these years. I got a hold of Todd and he encouraged me to do it. It's something he can laugh at now. Um, But he was not very happy when he was leaving those voicemails. So I thought it would be funny uh, to give some context to the story and play those for you now. So I've got two voicemails I'm going to play for you. The first one was for Alan, and the second was for Ethan. And if you remember, Todd mentioned that he didn't know Alan as well back then. So the tones in both of those voicemails are just a little bit different. And just a heads up before I play them, um, since Todd wasn't in the best mood when he was leaving these uh, messages, uh, there are some curse words flying around. So if there are any little kids within earshot of this, you might want to have them cover their ears, or leave the room for a few seconds. All right, here are those voicemails.
3: 1, 38 a.m. Alan, please tell me this is not the CD that you sent out to everybody. Because first of all, like a stone, like absolute shit, because there's like 5 million mistakes in it, and you got all the dubbing wrong. Then you got the cover on the front. It's got like a stone twice. You spelled Audio slurred wrong, uh, melon cap wrong, and you spelled Beatles wrong, and you they got the s- name of the song wrong for the screen song. And, uh, it, yeah, there's just all kinds of fucking things wrong with this. So, uh, hopefully you gave me, like, the wrong copy. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck were you thinking? this was for the rest of this fucking demo, Probably one of the worst fucking things I've ever heard. There's 500 mistakes on every song. He put the wrong version of Like a Stone on there. It's missing lyrics. There's all kinds of shit wrong. He misspelled everything on the label to the CD. There's no fucking web address on the CD
0: case. Why did you let? I told you before I fucking left town. Alan sucks ass paying attention to details. I trust you to fucking pay to check this thing out before you send it at the door. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, especially knowing the backstory of why Todd left those messages. And I think it's great that uh, Todd can just laugh at it nowadays. Um, and if you listen closely enough in that second message you left for Ethan, you can hear Ethan kind of giggling while he was recording it. I guess he got a kick out of that message. The song I'd like to leave you with today was recorded by Tate and it's a cover song and it's one that Ethan sang on and I think he just sounds really good on this song and I think it would be cool for everyone to hear Ethan singing um, at the end of this episode. So the song that I've chosen is called Tightrope by Stevie Ray Vaughan as performed by Tate. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon.
5: Catch Catching tell This rat race Feels like I'm losing time And I'm breaking that face Was a of my shadow In the face of grace A heart full of darkness Spotlight on my face There was love on me We'll yeah.